Hi everyone and welcome to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to be with you all. Um, I'm delighted today to welcome a new guest to the show, someone who's um, become a friend of mine recently. Uh, we connected through my friend Nora. And uh, Anita Brown, welcome to the show. Thank you, James. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic uh, to have you here. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, yoga today and yoga and faith and yoga and Christ and your book. Because you've got a new, you've got a book out soon uh, called Kamikaze Yoga. That's right. Sorry. Um, Kamikaze Yogi, Christ, Yoga, and the Courage to Emerge, which is a really interesting title. Um, So I'm interested to explore that today. Um, So just tell us a bit of your story, Anita. Thank you, James. It's it's an honor to chat with you. And I'm hailing from South Jersey near Philadelphia. It's a beautiful day today. And I'm looking out the window at the leaves changing. And it's been quite a journey uh, to trust what's been unfolding. And I think a lot of people are starting to get curious about this idea of our true incarnation and how daily practices can feel like prayer, things that maybe formerly um, were just movement, take on a more sacred uh, tone and uh, something inside of us begins to rustle up. And that's been uh, my trusting that I got on my yoga mat about 15 years ago and was blessed with a very first teacher who said, when you leave here after an hour or so, I hope you feel like you went to church, you went to therapy, and you went to the gym. Awesome. I love that. I love that. That's really great. Yeah, church therapy in the gym, all in one. Uh, yeah, I've done a bit of yoga myself. I uh, haven't done it for a while, which is sad because I, I do actually quite enjoy it when I do it, and, it, and it's really helpful. Um, but yeah, from my experience, that's that's quite an accurate. Um, that's quite an accurate um, perspective. <laughs> um, it is quite therapeutic. It is kind of a spiritual experience, uh, and. Also, it's good exercise. So, yeah, um, it's it is um, it is a really great practice. And how did how did kind of your journey into yoga begin? So, I'll go back to a good twenty years ago, trying to get pregnant and start a family, and experiencing very severe infertility. And after a couple of years. Um, not too many people knew about yoga yet, but somebody said to me, you should try it at your local high school as an adult school class. And I thought, I'll try anything. So those first um, times on my mat over 20 years ago, uh, just getting a glimpse that there was something special about it. And then I did get pregnant and I have two children that are now 23 and 21. So my miracles are grown up. And there was a period when I was raising children that there was no time for yoga. And then when they got to school, I got back on my mat. And well, then the journey began toward my revelations that there was major healing needed. I was in my 40s 
and I was starting to have some uh, emotional turmoil and some memories of things that I had never addressed. I had never been in talk therapy and um, the yoga is the practice that revealed to me uh, that I needed to heal from childhood traumas, abandonment, abuse. And um, I called my time on my mat, time with God as the divine therapist. Wow. The divine therapist. Oh, that's, I love that. That is such a good, um, a good way to describe it. Uh, yeah. Um, I, that, I described that as, I described my time, my spiritual director that in that way, actually, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's like spiritual therapy. Um, but that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, that, how just the practice of yoga unraveled a lot of things that were going on inside of you that you didn't even know about. And, uh, and yoga does that. I think it, it it can connect you to yourself, uh, to what's really going on in deep inside of you. It connects you to your deeper self. Yes. Especially the more you do it, obviously, the more you practice it, uh, the more effective it is. You know, I mean, I, uh, I said, told the story on the podcast before that I, when I started doing yoga for a few months, I, I then had a transcendent spiritual experience um, uh, during that period. All alone in your home? I was actually in like in a contemplative spiritual community of about 20 people Okay. Uh, in a meeting doing Taizé, mm-hmm. and it's kind of chanting in French and, uh, and it's quite a sacred experience in itself, but yeah, something happened during that time where I was just, my mum was a, my late mother was a French teacher and spoke fluent French and I was getting the words wrong and laughing and it was like she was there and we were laughing about it together and it was just, just separate from the rest of the room. Like it was just uh, almost uh, out of body in a sense. And even I didn't realize really, I didn't really come out of it until I got home. Mm. I was kind of almost just, it was almost like I was in this bubble, um, this moment for uh, quite a while. And it's only when I started journaling about it later that I realized what had happened. Right. And it was like, wow, that was, yeah, that was incredible. <laughs> that was kind of a transcendent experience, yeah. And uh, I'm sure that was because partly because I was doing yoga at the time. Yes. Yeah, so it's been, as a Christian, um, challenging because there are those that have been told by people they respect that yoga is dangerous, that it's not um, – uh, you know, it's as, it's as if it were from a different spiritual tradition, then that's unsafe for us. But in my experience, when I chanted even the Hindu names for God, I only felt the love of Christ. So it was as if um, his love transcends our languaging and our attempts to connect. He transcends all of that. So... I say just stay rooted in your own tradition and have fun exploring and learning from other traditions and um, don't be afraid. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I I spoke to somebody else on the podcast uh, a while back who is uh, who teaches yoga classes using um, 
pieces of scripture as meditation, um, as as kind of a guide uh, to while practicing yoga. And it's and they told me it was very it's very very effective and um, yeah it helps their relationship with Jesus. Uh, and yeah, there's this myth, isn't there, that that um, yoga somehow comes from a specific religious tradition but that's not actually true is it no no i i don't know the the exact details but you can research and find that making shapes and breathing it's been around since the dawn of time since before man began to make up religions um to try to get close to god i think the the practice of connecting with your natural self and when you think about the shapes that you're making it's an expression of your desire. I want to be a warrior. I want to be humble on my knees. I want to bow. I want to make prayer hands. These are all different shapes we make with our bodies in yoga. That's beautiful. Why would anyone think that was anything to be afraid of? Exactly. Absolutely agree. Uh, it's, uh, every, it's like uh, the thing I've been learning during my spiritual journey is yeah, everything belongs. Mm. Uh, and like, if we try and box, if we say, God, God can't be in this, God can't be in that, the divine can't be found there, we're saying that God is that he's limited, or she yeah. is limited. And it's like, well, the divine is in all things. Mm. The divine is where you look for them. Yeah. He, you know, uh, you you have a spiritual experience, a transcendent experience. That's divine, whatever language you use to describe it. You know, otherwise it's just otherwise you're saying otherwise you're saying God is in one place and not in another place, which is not true. Right, it's a mystery. Yeah, exactly. It's I, I love it. Yeah, um, it's the kind of big divine mystery. I, I hope that we can never explain God. We should never be able to explain the divine. Right. That's our childlike nature coming out when we sit in awe of each other's stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so somewhere along the way, uh, through the yoga and the meditation that followed next, I began to sit still and watch my thoughts. And that was very challenging. I would cry every day and think, oh my goodness, this is so emotional. I don't know what this is doing to me, but I know it's good. I trusted it. And then I got called to teach meditation in prisons. And I brought that gift of um, stillness to uh, men and women in prisons for a couple of years. And they really helped me to talk about my struggles and my shame, because people like that, they have nothing to lose. And you just feel so safe and so welcome and so human. Something enormous shifted during those years in me. And now when I talk about my struggles, you know, the world doesn't like that. Or they like it, but they they still are afraid of it. Like, oh, she's exposing too much. And I just say I live a life free of shame. There's There's a time and place to talk about certain things. I'm not saying you talk about everything everywhere. But that freedom uh, allowed me to uh, explore, okay, now I have a story to tell. I think I'm going to 
trust God with this book that he's beginning to show me I have in me. And yeah, it's been two and a half years of writing and now it's coming out in December. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I, I can't wait to, to read it, to read this, to read this when it comes out. It's, uh, it's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. Sounds like an incredible story. Uh, tell us, tell us a bit about the book and the story in the book. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be all memoir because if you're not really identifying as a writer, you can't imagine other than your own story, what this book could be. So I just began and for a year it was a memoir. And then it began to shift and I hired an editor because I knew I needed professional help to organize all of these many ideas that began uh, bubbling up in me around the chakras as energy centers in us. And then I began to correlate those chakras and the parts of my physical body where I would have pain, like chronic pain, irritable bowel and headaches, and then um, connect those energy centers with a book I read called Eastern Body, Western Mind, which I would highly recommend to your listeners. Um, it's like the Bible. Uh, it's a, a huge tome on um, these energy centers and the things that we've inherited from our parents and our ancestors that we, we have blame and shame. Like, oh, why am I anxious? Why am I depressed? Why am I struggling with my emotions? Well, all of this goes back to childhood and all of that goes back to their childhood. So little by little, I began to see that those energy centers could correlate with Mary Magdalene's seven chakra demons, I called them in the book. And so the book is basically part memoir, part exploration of those two concepts working together and some poetry and some scripture interpretation. So I hope it's like this well-rounded exploration of East meets West and uh, through the lens of my, my journey of healing. That sounds really, really interesting. That especially the story of Mary Magdalene. I mean, that's because yeah, we, we hear about the seven demons that Jesus cast out, don't we? That uh, and the way that you reference them there was different. How I've heard it referenced before. That's really interesting. Yeah, like for example, the root chakra. Um, that's our our oldest brain, our gut brain, and fear. Um, our ability to feel safe in our bodies and in our lives. And that root chakra healing can take place, you know, with these practices of grounding and finding um, Jesus loving us, comforting us. And I just found that to be so beautiful. People that live in a state of, you know, fear and worry. I don't like to call that a sin. But it's it's pulling us away from our from thriving from our calling. Yeah, yeah, it does, and yeah, part of the transformation journey is is becoming free of the power of fear, um, in a sense. You know, I mean, there's healthy fear, which is kind of fear of crossing the road, and. Um, the fear that kind of makes you look both ways when you cross the road and 
uh, that kind of thing, and you know, the um, those those kind of things. But but when it's when it's that, that kind of deeper fear of kind of you know where which kind of paralyzes you, right? To be fear to be seen to show up for your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for your gifts. Yeah, when that gets control of you, then you kind of stagnate and you're not growing and you're not thriving, and that's where you can get into certainty, which is so unhealthy. Yes, and so you could call that the demon of fear, and you could work with your body and these practices. The yoga brings in. Uh, I love the word prana, the prana, the life force. Um, the life force, you think of Jesus as the life, he's going to come in and he's going to make sense out of your chaos. Like he's going to point you to the root of that fear and help you heal it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel like this journey I've been on, I've completely rediscovered Jesus in a different way altogether. That he, that he, Jesus invites us to lean into our pain, not to avoid it. Mm. Uh, but it's just to feel our pain and be transformed by it, and that's and that's what he does. I mean, himself, he doesn't, he doesn't avoid pain. He doesn't avoid uh, the tr- he doesn't avoid the emotional trauma of uh, of what he goes through in Gethsemane. He doesn't avoid the physical pain and the emotional pain of being crucified because he doesn't take the vinegar. Uh, he 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 leans into it uh and when he's resurrected and like transformed by it he keeps the scars as well and all of those things are really really important that are a message to us that we shouldn't ignore our pain uh and we shouldn't uh numb it um we shouldn't be afraid of it we should lean into it uh, you know obviously in community and with support networks around us and everything, but um, that's what Jesus models kind of for us. I agree, and it makes us realize how strong we are and resilient and we're overcomers and we're victors. And I think the worst thing we can believe about ourselves is that we're incapable, that we have to hide, we have to run, that's, that's too big, that's too much. Like you said, not on your own always. Some things we need a lot of help with. But I am so proud of myself, of the many, many old memories of trauma. When you think about it, anything we're coming up against, it's not alive. (laughs) It, It can't hurt us. It's a memory, right? But it comes up in the present as if it it's scary. Um but we have him we have him with us so i would say people can dive in and heal just about anything um i would encourage people to to believe in their capacity for emotional maturity that's right it's just about having that courage to step into that journey isn't it yeah um so this kind of yoga journey that you that you've been on that you're on how has that transformed 
your faith? So for a few years there, we couldn't find a church home and we bopped around Philadelphia and South Jersey and it was really challenging because here I was on this yoga journey and I wanted to be honest. I wanted to be myself. I wanted to talk the way I'm talking to you. And it was still, it was all, you know, I was a little bit ahead of my time and had some pastors really, you know, afraid and, and tell me they weren't open to hearing about that. No, this was um, not a path that this East meets West idea. They were just a big no. And so it was really discouraging. But suddenly, out of the blue, just like our God works, I sent a tweet and got a tweet back from a local pastor who said, I'd love to hear more. Will you have coffee with me? And I've been at that church for over three years now, thanks to that tweet. And that's what I would say about my faith is that I've trusted the journey back into church community, and it has been hard. There are definitely, you know, challenges, difference of uh, beliefs and opinions and um, personalities. But at the end of the day, iron sharpens iron, and I am ever more um, in love with Jesus and, and and happy to serve, serve my community and and use my voice yeah that's wonderful that's wonderful i mean i suppose has yoga allowed you to have more intimacy with jesus and 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 how has it impacted your prayer life as well i mean that's not like a really kind of old kind of question but you know prayer for people walking with jesus prayer can be quite a any kind of prayer whether it's contemplative prayer or um, other kind of prayer can be quite an important dimension to it. So, is that how does how have kind of yoga, yoga and prayer intertwined? That's a great question. I think my trust in the Holy Spirit is pretty. It's enchanting, like kind of just to show up for prayer. Like I'll do, I'll read some scripture, and then show up for either movement or stillness. And wait on God and see what he has for me. And it's almost, you know, going to look different day to day. Sometimes there's some intercession for someone I know who's struggling. And I know I'm really able to intercede on their behalf. That's a new thing. That's only been happening in community. That's not a gift that I ever had before uh, being at this church. Um, So intercession feels really beautiful. And then um, just moving my body in a way that feels like worship. So it, it's mm. yeah, different day to day. That's that's the creativity of our God. Like um, I feel like you have to go through that phase of I do this same practice every day for a season, and you build up a um, consistency. And then out of that consistency can be birth what I'm experiencing right now in this like creative expression of what Holy Spirit wants to show me. Wow, that's amazing. And I agree on the consistency. The consistency does make a difference. That's definitely been my experience as well in terms of doing yoga is you know, the more consistent you are, 
the more the more it helps you, the more it affects you in a positive way. Yeah, yeah there's practices in the book, and so I wanted to offer people really, really basic yoga practices. And some of them you wouldn't even call yoga; they would be like more imaginative prayer or um, some journaling practices, because I want to give people lots of options, what's right for you, everyone's so different, and then do that every day for a month and and see what's transforming, like be consistent with a practice before you, you know, ask for more. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got on my mat and did basically the same thing every day for years <laughs> before um, I, Holy Spirit's pretty wild. I love thinking of Holy Spirit as, you know, wild goose, the wind. You have to have a very stable container. That's the way I see it. Um, before you can be this really wide open. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> absolutely. You're right. Yeah. That's absolutely, that's absolutely right. I mean, has, has, how is, I mean, we've had a very difficult year. <laughs> um, 2020 has been a year, <laughs> unlike any other, I think. And, you know, for a lot of people, their mental, emotional health has, has suffered. Uh, and how has 2020 been for you in, in terms of how yoga has kind of helped you like process what's going on in a healthier way. Yeah, it's been huge to notice the difference. Um, people that have been mostly focused on their families and their work and not as much on the spiritual journey, they're being challenged to this great pause and this great unknown and this all this fear. And I have really felt... Um, confident that I can gift people with listening, with prayer, with encouragement. So it's been an incredible season for me to trust that all of that groundwork that was laid, you know, as a mature Christian, I'm coming up on 55 years old next month. I'm, I'm now in a season of nurturing others and, and I have a stable, psyche, a stable, stable mental health. Um, and it wasn't always that way. So to look back on my journey and say to people humbly, no, I was where you are. <laughs> I've been through that. Um, but now I'm, I'm on the other side of something really big. And so, yeah, this season for me has been one of, of, of giving. That's incredible. That's really amazing because it's been such a difficult year for so many and we're, so, we're all carrying this kind of collective grief and trauma. Um, and so to be in that place where you have a practice which allows you to be healthy, to be in tune with what's going on inside of you and then to be able to use that to help others is a really great place to be. It is. I'm very grateful. And I am very encouraged that the timing of, you know, hopefully we're going to come out with a vaccine, the book's going to come out, and that my 
story and my these practices that I've created, people are ripe. They're ready. Okay. Yep. I, I want to try something new. I, I, what I'm doing feels stale or what I'm doing doesn't, you know, isn't going deep enough. So I really am encouraged that people are hungry for uh, these prayer practices to really help them center, to help them work with their nervous system. And like we've been saying through this whole conversation, Jesus is right there for them to experience him anew. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really feels like that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of working on a book at the moment too. And you know, the, the things that I'm exploring in that book feel timely. Uh, and yeah, I think as we come out of this, whenever we do, people are going to be looking for new ways of of living. People are going to be looking for ways to process their grief, to uh, to come to terms with what's what's happened to them, yes. uh, and how things have changed. And I think your book, and actually my book as well, because of the topic of my book, um, will be really helpful for that. And uh, you know, it's, it's strange how timing seems to happen. Yeah. <laughs> when is your book coming out, James? Well, I'm still writing it, so there's no kind of timeline on it, but I'm hoping that it will be sometime next year uh, that it comes out. No timeline as yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And, yeah, I really find that amazing that, you know, this year has been – as someone who's highly sensitive as well, this year has been so difficult, and uh, to 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 see that somebody who's practicing yoga every day, um, and in the context of faith, is is such a good place with all of that, and is able to help others is really encouraging. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Uh, our brains uh, need to be challenged, and that is something that I didn't believe about myself. I went through, I'm sorry, there's a trash truck in the background. I hope that wasn't too loud. You might have to cut that out. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the stories I'll tell uh, before we begin to wrap up is that I went to a local neurologist and I was about 47 years old. And I said, I think I have early Alzheimer's. And I said, I just can't seem to learn new things. I can't seem to remember anything. Um, my brain just feels broken and I don't know what to do about it. And I had been practicing yoga for about eight years at that point. So I was doing all the right things. I was doing the practices. I was praying and I was, um, at my wits end. And he was so condescending and had no answers for me whatsoever. He did this really stupid test on a piece of paper, like challenging me to read a clock. Anybody I think could do what he asked me to do. It didn't prove anything. And when I came home, I Googled, what types of holistic things can I do to work with my own brain? And up popped a book called How God Changes Your Brain. And it was written by his colleague at Penn Medicine. He could have recommended this book. And the book pointed to meditation. And it was as if the yoga of eight years prepared me to finally meditate. And the meditation was what healed my brain of complex trauma and ADHD, all undiagnosed. 
and this neurologist didn't even point me to a different specialist. He just basically told me I was a bored housewife. So I wonder how many other people are out there in their 40s with undiagnosed conditions at their wits end, reaching out to a professional, and the professionals just poo-poo them. And so you have to take matters into your own hands. And that was truly a turning point for me to realize the brain has neuroplasticity. I will heal my brain. Yeah, that's powerful. That's powerful. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I recommend, I, I also in the show that, you know, find a good, find a good therapist, find good professionals. I mean, I have a good, a really great therapist. Uh, and I have a spiritual director and coaches and stuff I work with. But at the same time, you can, you can retrain your brain. It is possible to do that. Neuroplasticity is a real thing. Um, even my therapist has told me that you know you can change those neuro pathways in your brain over time. Um, you can do that work, uh, and some of the you know the internal family systems work that I've done is about that, and it has done that. You know, so it is so it is possible, and um, yeah, that's 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 really encouraging. I think um, because we need to know we're not alone, and we need to know that there's hope especially right now. Yes. Yes. I had mentioned a couple of books, um, Eastern Body, Western Mind, and How God Changes Your Brain. Those are two excellent ones. And then another one that was um, a turning point in me trusting this yoga and Christian faith journey was Jesus in the Lotus. I met a Christian yoga teacher who recommended Jesus in the Lotus. And the author of that book, did do interspirituality till he died. He did both Hinduism and Christianity. But like you just said, I needed to read that book to give myself the permission. Okay, God, maybe you're going to call me to that. And if, if I need to do interspirituality, I will. I won't be afraid. And then it turned out that's not my call. I think it's wonderful to learn from the Bhagavad Gita and different, like I said earlier, the different faith traditions. But I don't identify as interspiritual in that way. I identify solely as rooted in the Christian tradition. Mm. That's right. Yeah, and that's the thing about yoga. I love that it transcends all of those boundaries, doesn't it? It transcends all of. You know, I think the person who came on the show before to talk about yoga said it's kind of a science. It's a science of your body. And how your body works and being in tune with your body, absolutely, um, rather than a kind of religious experience, and um, that's powerful. And that, that it feels like that's true um, because certainly there wasn't. It was a spiritual experience. It wasn't a religious experience when when I did yoga. Um, it just connects you to every part of your being. Um, in my experience, to your inner being, to your subconscious, to everything that's inside of you, to your brain, to your body, physical body, it's, yeah, it's kind of an all-inclusive experience. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, and I recommend it to people, for sure, and to myself, because I need to get back to doing it as well. I can uh, tell them I have a podcast, and I don't, did you have a chance to try that at all, James? 
I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I really want to listen to it. I've been trying to make time to to listen to it. I've got so many podcasts I need to catch up with. Um, Think of um, it as as a, most people listen to their podcast while they're cleaning or while they're driving or while they're walking. My podcast is a yoga practice. So um, it's called It's Five O'Clock Somewhere. And they're 15 to 25 minutes long. And I'm talking you through a Jesus yoga practice. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about scripture. I'm talking about Holy Spirit. And I'm also guiding you with breath and with movements. That's great. I will definitely be giving that a listen. Uh, And I recommend that to other people as well, Um, especially after a conversation today. Um, And one thing to kind of finish, there's probably a few people listening who are a bit skeptical about yoga and maybe have concerns about yoga or have been told by others to have concerns about yoga um, because of their faith they've been you know fed this this kind of this lie uh, that it's dangerous what how could what would you like what would you say to them to try and encourage them gently into opening themselves up to the idea of doing yoga I think open yourself up is a good term to go with. You're opening yourself up to Christ. So to me, it's an individual journey. Each person gets to decide, um, am I willing to open myself up to more of what he has to offer? And if that answer is yes, you will come up against all of your resistance to the fullness of him. You will come up against your fears and your, um, back to Mary Magdalene, to your, your greed and your lusts and your, you'll see yourself more clearly if you've had a problem with lying, for example. Those things come up on your yoga mat. The rising awareness of being human sometimes is hard to swallow. So I would say, what are you opening yourself up? You're opening yourself up to his truth. You are beloved just as you are uh, with all your faults and all of your anxieties. Uh, but you'll see them. They show up on your yoga mat. You'll see them. Excellent. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And just, again, where can people, where can people connect with your, your work? So I don't have a, um, a website just yet. I'm trying to decide whether to put it up as my name, Anita Grace Brown. I think that's probably how you'll find me. But I'm on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And the book, again, is Kamikaze Yogi. And the podcast is It's 5 O'Clock Somewhere, which is based on the Matthew 20 verse at 5 o'clock. Everyone got paid the same. So that's our, that's our God. That's Grace. Everyone gets the same, whether you've worked all day or worked five minutes. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Anita. Thank you, James. Uh, it's been super fun. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope this has been, this has been helpful for you too. Take care, everyone. <laughs>